Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pull from the hottest topics coming across our news desk. I'm Elissa Branch, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to another episode of our continued Woman of Influence series, which is now hosted by Housing Wire Digital Media Manager Alcina Lloyd. The women we interview in this series are all recipients of Housing Wire's 2021 Woman of Influence Award. This episode features Chrissy Zotsman Brown, the COO at Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Brown joins us to discuss her work and accomplishments, the award, and the future of the digital closing space. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. At TMS, we believe in building relationships and helping to grow happiness. It's what we do best. Let us show you that efficient and transparent communication exists in subservicing. Switching from your current subservicer to TMS couldn't be easier. Learn more today at subservicing.themoneysource.com. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. Welcome back to another segment of Housing Wire's Woman of Influence. I'm Alison Lloyd, Housing Wire's Digital Media Manager, and I'll be taking over the series from Housing Wire's HW Plus Managing and Magazine Editor Brenna Nath. In today's episode, I'm joined with Christy Zotman Brown, Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group's Chief Operations Officer. Thank you for joining us, Christy. Thank you for having me. Of course. Listeners, Chrissy has joined us to discuss how she became a woman of influence in the mortgage industry and advice she has to offer other women. Chrissy also touches on news at Atlantic Bay and her perception of this year's housing market. Um, Chrissy, before we dive into today's conversation, can you share your background with our audience? Um, I know you leveraged nearly 25 years of extensive mortgage operations and sales experience, so I'm really curious on how you got your start in the industry and how the sector has changed over the years. Yeah, of course. Again, thank you for having me and I'm very honored to be here. Um, So this is a question I've gotten before and uh, I like to ask, does anybody actually set out on their path to be in the mortgage industry? If you find that person, have them give me a call because I'm really curious. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. So, you know, just kind of happenstance, you know, actually it's a pretty ironic story. My father was um, in the mortgage industry as a loan officer um, years before um, I entered into the working force and, um, I was still trying to figure out my life. I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to go to the third world countries and build orphanages and, you know, still kind of at that young stage of like, where do I want to go? How do I want to do it? Took a job in a temp agency and I got placed in a mortgage company. Um, and so, you know, for their $6 an hour, um, they taught me how to close and how to process. And, you know, then it kind of just, spun off from there. And 25 years later, I'm still doing mortgages. Um, yeah. So, you know, throughout that 25 years, I, um, I have a, a huge desire to learn anything anybody, anyone's willing to teach me. And so I've been in, you know, post-closing and shipping. And for those of you back in the, the good old days where you know, we had our paper files and had to copy three copies of each file and um, the faxes came through on um, a continuous spiral of paper and, um, you know, did processing and um, took a little stab at um, sales as um, a broker in a broker shop. And uh, that was a very interesting segment of my career. And that was before the the crash, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, then went into retail sales before the crash and 
and I got into closing underwriting processing and um, kind of really stuck with underwriting. That's really what I loved. And then from there, I went into leadership. Wow. So you have an extensive background. And a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. So um, we brought you on the show today because this year you are a recipient of Housing Wire's annual Woman of Influence Award. There are many reasons why women are recognized for this award. And I want to highlight one of the reasons you were chosen. Um, during the digital environment of this past year, you guided your team to not only continue streamlining processes, but shorten turnaround times in many areas. You also advocated and assisted in the implementation of new technologies and automation uh, bots that have uh, continued to improve efficiencies at Atlantic Bay. So needless to say, um, last year's lending environment, which saw the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, was difficult for everyone. And I imagine this difficulty was heightened as many companies implemented new technology. So um, can you tell us about your experience during this time and how some of that technology you advocated for change processes at Atlantic Bay? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we were in a, a different position than some companies, Um in the sense of our technology initiatives that we decided to implement 2018 through 2019 saved us during the pandemic, right? Um, you know, luckily for Atlantic Bay, we were already previously remote in operations. We just had a handful of employees that came into the office. So, you know, when that moment happened and everyone was programming computers and figuring out how to, you know, managing remote in operations is a whole different challenge you have to learn, right? Um, luckily for Atlantic Bay, we were already there. Um, so we had a couple of challenges that I know some of my peers had to overcome that, you know, we were kind of business as usual on that. But as far as, you know, technology goes and the implementation of it, you know, again, going back to, you know, 2018, 2019, you know, I would go to roundtables and different conferences and I'm, I love learning, right? And I love learning what the, you know, what our peers are doing that were successful and what they did that was a complete failure, right? And what yeah. not to do, if you will, right? Um, and so we started on our path towards um, the e-mortgage, if you will, probably about 2018. I, I was uh, did the three schools for MBA and school of mortgage banking. And I remember one of my instructors said, we, and I thought it was very interesting, we are at the death of the traditional mortgage and we're at the birth of the electronic mortgage, right? And, you know, at that moment, you know, we w- I went back and we discussed as an executive leadership team that we're not going to be left behind, right? And so we started those initiatives back, you know, prior to the pandemic. And, and luckily when that happened, those things were already in motion. So kind of my advice to anybody, and I say this every time I talk about technology, because I'm not a tech person, I'm an underwriter, but is you don't have time not to, right? Because you never know mm-hmm. when that is going to be the thing that saves you. Wow. I love that. So I want to continue discussing some of your success within the last year. In the past 12 months, your leadership and forward thinking has guided Atlantic Bay to offer a full-stop digital mortgage experience for mortgage bankers and borrowers who position the company as a leader in the e-closing arena. In order to do this, what has been your main focus? How have you led your team to ensure success? Yeah, I think it goes back to, you know, uh, your company needs to be on the same page that this is where we're heading and we're all, you know, everyone has to be rowing in the same direction. You know, I talked to a lot of different mm-hmm. lenders and, and one of the challenges is they're going, they, they know this is a future of mortgages and some of their other, you know, other, their executive leadership teams or some of their other, you know, key players are still apprehensive. And so until you're ro- rowing in that same direction, it's going to be very difficult to move forward. Lucky for Atlantic Bay, uh, we were all on the same page, like I said, back in, you know, 1819, that 
we all truly believe this is a future of mortgages. We will be in an electronic mortgage full stop. I mean, I truly believe in the next five years, you know, you're going to be able to apply for mortgage, get approved and close on the soccer field. Right. And, you know, that's kind of what this generation wants. They don't want to be inconvenienced by going, you know, out of the way to take care of a transaction. So, you know, as we really made that a focus and we knew that no matter, despite the market conditions and, you know, your, your normal capacity issues, we still need to trek forward and this, and then obviously had a, an amazing VP of closing that really embraced this, took this on as her passion. And she really adopted that um, e-closing experience and, and ran with that. Um, she's incredible. And, you know, I remember sitting at um, Fannie Mae conference five years ago and they're talking about e-closings and I came back, I was all excited and I was like, we got to do these. But it wasn't, it wasn't the time it was expensive. Settlement agents were like, nope, not having it. And um, prior to the pandemic, you know, we had all of our approvals set up. We had our e-note set up. We were ready to rock and roll. We had like seven loans that closed. Um, really having that adoption turning, you know, is, is a change. And I talk a lot about e-closings. And, you know, the e-closing is a very interesting technology advancement because there is, I, I truly believe there's more value at that closing table and at the closing experience than there is throughout the whole entire process. And so people are very apprehensive to diminish that value, right? Um, That's all people remember when they walk away from closing, Mm -hmm. mostly what they remember um, is what happened and whether they're happy the day that they got their keys or they signed their papers. And so we, you know, have set up some initiatives January of 2020 of how are we going to get adoption on this. And we set up roundtables for May and we're going to get all these people together and we're going to really try to drive home because, you know, until the industry starts adopting it, it's very difficult to be that pioneer. Right. And then the pandemic hit. Right. Yeah. And everyone's like, we can't leave our houses and we have to close loans. And we're like, we got the solution, (laughs) you know, and luckily for us, you know, uh, during a very, very unfortunate time, but we were able to really increase our adoption. And, and that, you know, that moment where they needed it, it was necessary to do their job. Um, that's when they experienced like, well, this isn't so bad, right? Um, we actually kind of enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, we were able to do a, a lot more, um, but really just forward thinking. And then, you know, after we did our first Ron, luckily they used my loan as a guinea pig. And um, I'm happy to share with anybody what not to do uh, <laughs> for their first remote online notary closing. Because uh, it was uh, quite the experience, and glad it was me. Um, but you know, we did our first brawn, and then you know, now we're rocking and rolling with bronze and e notes, and got the whole Fannie Freddie approvals, and and then you know, it's not stopping there, and that's kind of one of the mentalities of Atlantic Bay. Um, we're not satisfied, right? Like, what's next? And then that's how we rolled into the Jenny May. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I see that uh, Atlantic Bay, you guys approved for uh, Jenny May e-notes, and that allows your team to seamlessly integrate e-closing into all transactions, which um, kind of touches on um, your point of why e-closing has become so important to the industry. Um, the borrowers want it, so that's great. Also, I mean, there's a huge lift. And even if the borrowers don't want it, I want them to want it because, you know, the accuracy, anytime you implement technology, you're increasing your accuracy, right? So, Gone are the days when I have an e-closing loan mm-hmm. are the days of, you know, somebody missed their signature or they signed their wrong name, which I still don't understand how that happens, but it happens, right? Uh, like, what? That's not even your name. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, the accuracy is a huge lift for the post-closing department. And 
Um, you know, I think that's one of the largest benefits as well as obviously interest arbitrage and delivering to warehouse banks and things like that. So um, outside of your work with Atlantic Bay, you're an active advocate to government agencies on behalf of the mortgage industry. Um, recently, you spoke with the White House on the effects of the recent PSPA amendments. Can you touch on that discussion and your sentiments about the amendments? Sure. It was a very, very interesting um, experience for sure. I was asked probably in February or March um, of this year if I wanted to join a trade group, uh, CHLA. And I was like, sure, I want to learn, right? And, you know, being an underwriter, the regulatory um, side of things is a little bit outside of my wheelhouse and not really my strong suit. So I thought, well, I'll just kind of be a fly on the wall and listen and learn uh, kind of what's going on in Capitol Hill and what's coming down the pipe. And, you know, that's when the lovely PSPA amendments hit. And um, yeah, that was a pretty, for an IMB, that was a very, very tough challenge to navigate through. Um, you know, especially, so we're Atlantic Bays on the East Coast and, and more of the Southern, Southeast area. And we have a lot of second homes. I mean, we have, you know, Rehoboth Beach all the way down through, you know, the Outer Banks into Florida and Georgia. And, and um, it was a very difficult environment. And I think that really helped kind of spin off that passion for this cannot happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously understanding a little bit more of how things work at Capitol Hill and how things come down the pipe. Um, it just wasn't right, you know? Um, and so in my own personal opinion, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> this is my opinion, not the opinion of Lane, but you know, I'm getting at this. Um, <laughs> and so those amendments, you know, you know, so I became very passionate about that passion about the fact that, these are very low risk loans. You know, the whole the whole premise of these PSPA amendments was to mitigate the risk of the taxpayer dollar, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did a bunch of research and data and found that these are actually not risky at all. Um, they actually perform a lot better than a lot of the um, primary residences. Shockingly enough, they do. And, you know, and so really started taking on that voice and, and, and the passion for, you know, advocating for this. And um, the next thing you know, I'm meeting with the Department of Treasury and the White House and FHFA and then, you know, the C-suites of Fannie and Freddie and, you know, just kind of happened. But again, you know, just in the search for learning, I stumbled upon this trade group and, you know, having that passion and and not being uh, quiet in my opinions and my thoughts on it kind of led me to those experiences. And it was a very, very neat experience. And the best experience is when they suspended them. Um, yeah. That was, I'm such a mortgage nerd. I felt like I got a new car that day, right? Wow. <laughs> so it was a really cool experience. That's really amazing. Not a lot of people are able to have an opportunity like that. So congratulations to you. My favorite part on that was I was able to meet with um, Director Thompson, um, Thompson of the um, FHFA. Um, not a couple months ago, and my assigned segment of that was to defend second homes with affordable housing. I was like, "Come on, <laughs> no!" But it was just a really neat experience, and it's neat to hear kind of how those things um, come about and the kind of the thought process from um, those leaders that are making these decisions. Definitely, definitely. So I want to um, continue discussing as outside of your uh, accomplishments, we focused a bit on some technology and regulation concerns. Um, I want to take this time to discuss your perception of the mortgage market right now. Do you have any concerns or focuses for this year and heading into 2022? I mean, I, I started off 2021 saying this is going to be a wild card, right? There were so many different moving parts that 
you know, the projections of what we thought would happen, especially Q3, Q4. I mean, Q3, Q4 of this year were, were supposed to be a complete loss. Um, you know, business supposed to drop off. We're supposed to see this massive, you know, tr- you know, the pendulum swing again, right? For those of you that have been in the business forever, you know, that it happens. Um, and then it, it didn't happen. And then you introduce the PSPA issues into the arena. And, um, and so then, you know, the focus was kind of preparing on that. And how are we going to begin to stand up a lot of private liquidity for some of these products that, you know, historically can go to Fannie and Freddie. And then, you know, just recently that was suspended and you're know, still advocating for that because it is a suspension, not elimination. Um, so kind of at this point, I, I feel like it's a, still a little bit of a wild card. There's some very, for, you know, those that are following kind of what's happening in the industry, there's a a lot of pretty serious balls in the air that really haven't been sorted out. One being the PSPA um, suspension. There's still, you know, that's under review now. Like that still is not eliminated. And, and that's kind of the unknown, if you will, for 2022, um, as well as there's a lot of fair lending, uh, fair housing regulation. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of different balls in the air regarding kind of the requirements on the IMDs um, to have the same requirements as depository without, you know, per se, the protection and the benefits of being in depository. So, you know, I think we're all just kind of preparing and and watching and listening and, and trying to be ready when those regulations hit. But um, I honestly, I still think it's a wild card. It is a wild card. We really didn't even know how 2020 was going to behave. So it's, it's kind of hard to imagine what 2022 is going to be like. <laughs> well, after 2020, like, okay, that's it. That was, you know, an incredible year. And my, my poor operations staff was like, it's over. Thank God. I'm so tired. Right. And, um, and we do believe in balance, but it was a really intense year. And, you know, going into 2020, we're like, okay, now, I mean, is it going to be Q2? Is it going to be mm-hmm. Q3? And, you know, we're still, you know, kind of trucking along. So at this point, I'm kind of tired of guessing. Just <laughs> trying to make sure that we're set up and protected as best as possible. Yeah, yeah. You're definitely not alone on that. <laughs> uh, before we wrap today, I wanted to know if there's any advice you can offer to other women who aspire to your level of success. Oh, man, we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a couple of key things that I really speak to my staff about. And, you know, women in particular, potentially not, you know, just in in general for those that want to, you know, continue the path to success is, you know, one of my, my big philosophies is, um, you know, start to really get comfortable and learn what you are and what you are not. I think that there's a lot of power and being confident in the things that you're just not, you know, uh, skilled at, or you're just not born to be good at, right? And, you know, we all have them. Every single person has them. And I think once you establish that confidence, you're able to then kind of mitigate and compensate for that and and really be able to deliver your best work and your best, um, uh, you know, efficiencies, et cetera, without, you know, a lot of the struggle in that. Um, And then I think, you know, I think that what I speak to my group about a lot is permission, you know, give yourself permission to be human and give yourself permission to be the things that you're not. And I think within that confidence comes success, right? When you start truly being confident in what you are and what you're not, that's where you can give permission um, and to be, and, and it ends up netting into success. The other thing is, you know, I'm very fortunate and this is not another shameless plug for Elaine Bay, but I'm very fortunate to work for an organization that, you know, truly does 
I mean, I've never in 10 years that I've been at Atlantic Bay ever felt that I was at a disadvantage for being a woman, right? So ensure that mm-hmm. you're you're working for an organization that uh, accepts that and believes in that and promotes that and, you know, doesn't really see that gender, um, the gender issues or equality issues there. Um, I think that I've been just very blessed to, you know, I remember being at a conference years ago and somebody said, what does it feel like to have a seat at the table? And uh, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just normal business for us. Right. Um, and then I think the the last thing is we're, we're not superheroes. Right. And I think that we're yeah. still, you know, although we've come a long way in gender equality and, you know, having women in business, et cetera. Um, I think we still have a long ways to go. There's still, you know, I think less than 20% of women hold C-suite positions. And, you know, there is that struggle still of what do we, what does it look like to be a successful businesswoman and a successful mother, if you choose to take that path or a successful wife or partner, if you choose to take those paths and how do you do it all? Right. And the answer is you don't. And it really comes down to getting that permission, giving yourself permission to be what you are and be what you're not. And then compensating for those. I mean, um, I've really struggle with that my myself. I'm a mother of a five-year-old and and trying to find that balance. But too often we we our pressure is still by historical society um labels of what we should be and how it should all look, you know. And I think that just even in a social environment right now, everyone's just looking per, for permission to be their authentic selves. Right. And so how does yeah. that look and how do you start to learn to give yourself permission? I I, I tell the story about Valentine's Day. My son goes to school and He's got all these beautiful, comes home with all these beautiful bags of candy and ribbons. And and I send him to school with like cardboard Valentines, right? Like old school. And and I was like, (laughs) you know, and I felt kind of bad for a moment. I was like, I can't be at all. And that's okay. That is okay. You know, and so I think that we just Mm -hmm. all need to start supporting each other. And, um, you know, I'm focusing on the the mom issue right now because that's the real struggle in my life right now with a five-year-old. But, you know, mom guilt is a really intense thing. Um, but you know, just as women, we give each other permission, um, to, to not be those things that we think to be right. And it's okay to be a businesswoman and it's okay to want an awesome career. I mean, those, that is okay. So I think the, the tone of everything is just permission. Wow. I love that advice. And that's definitely something I know more women in the industry need to give themselves is definitely more permission. Yes, definitely. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. I really loved what you had to share with our audience. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, thank you for listening and join us next Tuesday for another great interview with a woman of influence. Until then, tune in tomorrow for an interview with our host, Matthew Blake, Housing Wire Senior Real Estate Reporter. You won't want to miss out. Have a great evening, everyone. Thank you. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingware.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. 
If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.